Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Go to the book of Matthew. Go to the book of Matthew. We want to welcome everybody watching online, all of our Facebook family and friends, uh, YouTube, everybody that joins us around the world. Can we welcome all of our online friends? Come on. We're glad that you are watching Calvary Online. We've been in a series called Seven. Somebody say Seven. We've been looking at the final seven sayings of Jesus on the cross. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, he said uh, his last words, his, his final words. And I, I think Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, is absolutely important, and we should celebrate that. And we are. We're going to throw a party. It's going to be awesome. But I think sometimes we skip over Friday, and I think it's good to meditate, think, and let it sit on your soul what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And so getting ready for Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday, we've been looking at Jesus on the cross and what he said, leaning into that, learning from that and, and looking at our Savior. Let's not jump over Friday to get to Sunday. Let's, let's think about his sacrifice for a moment. And he said seven statements. The four Gospels give us seven last things that he said on the cross. We've been talking about them for the last few weeks. Today we're going to look at the fourth one. Go to Matthew chapter 27. Go to Matthew chapter 27. As you're going there, why don't you look at the person sitting next to you and tell them, I am so glad that you're sitting next to me this morning. Smile at somebody online. Let us know where you're watching from. Look at the person on the opposite side and tell them you're sitting next to the best looking person in the building. <laughs> I love it. It's good to see John and Andrea. John preached an incredible message last week on the third saying. German and Monica are here. It's good. Come on. This front row is alive and energetic today. Adam's still thinking about llamas. Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. Go down to verse 45. We're going to look at the fourth statement today. Our series seven, Jesus on the cross, the words that he says. If you don't have a Bible, you can share with the person sitting next to you. We're going to put it up on the screen if you don't have a Bible. If you're watching online, we're going to put it up on your screens as well. Go down to verse 45. If you're there, can you say amen? amen. The word of the Lord says this. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli. Lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him and when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice he gave up his spirit he gave up his spirit in Matthew chapter 27 we get the fourth statement of Jesus from the cross and today I want you to write that down we're looking at this as the topic 
of our discussion today. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Come on, why don't we say this together? Come on. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We're looking at this statement today, and we're going to talk about Jesus for the next maybe 25, 26 minutes. And then I want us to worship Jesus one more time. And I really think as we look at this fourth statement from the cross, God wants to heal some people today. God wants to comfort some people today. I really believe it's not a coincidence that we're here or that you're connected. I believe that God has a purpose, and he's with us, he's for us, and he wants to do something in our life. Can I get an amen? Amen. Come on, so why don't we pray? We're going to talk about Jesus for a little bit, and then we'll go have an incredible rest of our Sunday. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for your good and awesome love, your kindness. We thank you for your faithfulness. You're awesome, God. Thank you for loving people like us. God, there's no way that we can earn it or deserve it, and uh, for that, we're overwhelmed by your grace and by your love. God, help us today. I pray that you would lift up heads. I pray that you would open up eyes to see you. Thank you for your word. And thank you for letting us know the last few sayings of your son on the cross. Because I believe that they speak light to us today. We thank you, God. We pray for Calvary Church. We thank you for everybody that calls this place home. Help us today to understand you and see you better. We love you and we thank you. And it is in Jesus' name, all of God's people say. Oh, come on, all of God's people say. Can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? Come on. Last week, a few of us went to a pastor's conference that was in California. And so we had to make some connecting flights. And uh, it was a long trip to get to California. And I I don't know about you, but I I enjoy flying. Anybody else enjoy flying? If you're in here, you you enjoy airplanes and flying. Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. I absolutely enjoy airplanes. I love airports. I love flying. How many of you do not enjoy flying? You don't, don't like it? Wow. <laughs> Wednesday night, we'll pray for you. And uh, I, I love flying. There's something about it. In fact, one of, one of our flights leaving, we, our flight was at 5 a.m. And so we had to be at the airport by 3 o'clock in the morning. I mean, it was like 3, 3.30. We were showing up. We were tired. We were, I mean, it was, it was exhausting. But I, there's something about the airport I enjoyed. I grab a coffee. I get ready to go to sleep on the plane. And I absolutely enjoyed it. One of those flights, uh, the connecting flight, as we were headed to uh, California, had turbulence. Anybody enjoy turbulence? And it was like... More turbulence than I've ever, like, ever experienced. It was serious turbulence. And um, I started to think, to ride an airplane, it really takes some faith. Like, all I can do while the turbulence is happening is look out the window and see clouds. You don't know what's happening. You don't know why there's turbulence. You don't know what's going on. But this metal bus flying through the sky is shaking, and you can't control anything about it. And so there's turbulence in the air and, and, and you are just like, okay, I have to trust that the pilot knows what he's doing. It's gotten to the point where I enjoy airplanes and I said, I'm going back to sleep. I'm just going to go back to sleep because I've been having a nice nap on the way to California. And so I'm going back to sleep. I fell asleep and Adam was on the ride. Phil was on the ride. When we got to California, I'm like, did everybody get some rest? And we're checking on each other. And Adam and Phil, I think, couldn't sleep. They need to work on their faith and pray for them. Just kidding. They both have babies now, by the way. Well, Adam's baby's on the way. Phil's a new father. And so they got a lot of faith. But 
But I started realizing it takes faith to ride a plane because you need to trust even when you can't see. And it's hard to trust when you can't see what is going on. I have to trust the pilot that he knows what he's doing and that we're going to make it to our destination. When I don't understand, I need to trust. I remember one time years ago when I was about 20, 21 years old, we got the news that my aunt was dealing with brain cancer and and we started praying for her and we were believing God for a whole year that God would heal her and that God would do something. And, and we prayed and we fasted as a family. We were believing God and months would go by. We would get good reports. Other months we would get bad reports. But the entire time we were trusting God and believing God. God, we know that you can do it. I know who you are. And you're calling on all the names of God. And you're saying, I trust you, Lord. And I'll never forget it was an, an Easter Sunday actually in the afternoon when my father got the phone call that my aunt had passed away. What do you do when life gets turbulent and you need to trust the pilot of your life? God, God, I don't understand what you're doing. I don't comprehend all of life. My life is shaking, but I need to trust that you're in absolute control. Life can rock you. Life can shake you. And life can get turbulent. What do you do when life gets like that? When When it seems like God has gone silent on you. You ever felt that way? God, you're not answering my prayers. I have no idea why you allowed this in my life. God, are you upset at me? God, are you mad at me? I I don't even know if you've heard my prayer request. Maybe my email is lost and all the emails that you got. Like I know the whole world is calling on you, but hello, God, I'm your child. You ever felt that way? Like how, God? Some of us, our world is getting rocked. Like we've lost the job or we've lost the spouse. The marriage is over. We're divorced. Or God, I don't understand why my kids are acting this way. But all I know is that life is out of control. There's turbulence on this flight called life. And I have to trust that the pilot God is in absolute control. What, what do we do when life gets like this? The way I put it is that trouble in our life is that it will test our faith. Oh, because it's easy to have faith when life is going good. I mean, when you got the salary increase, when you got the sugar foot, honey boo-boo that you've been praying for, and God came through, oh, you come in here smile, praise the Lord, brother and sister, is good. I mean, I got a raise, my rent is paid, I got a date for tonight. I mean, like when life is going good, it's easy to praise God. I can't wait to sing. But when life is going horribly wrong, it's hard to get in here and sing. When life is going difficult, when you've lost a spouse, when, when you've gone through some problems, when you've lost a job, oh, it takes some faith to praise God. There's some days you come in here, you probably don't even want to say hi to nobody. Don't tell me where to park. I'm going to park wherever I want. Don't you open a door for me. Good morning, but don't say good morning to me. I will Will Smith you right now. Like. <laughs> I love Will Smith. I just. But anybody know what I'm talking about where you don't want to see nobody, where you're just like, right now, nothing is going right. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It takes some faith. I heard a preacher say this the other day, and I think it's absolutely true. The biggest difference between us and God is that God never thinks he's man, yet man always thinks he's God. And we always think that we have life under control. 
I got this. I got my one-year plan. I got my five-year plan. I got my, I know what I'm going to look like when I'm 63. I got my whole life figured out. And when life for a moment breaks out of the plan that we think that life is supposed to look like, and this is what my family's supposed to go through, when life gets crazy, it will rock your faith. It will test your faith. But we need to remember that God is in control. In fact, those of us who grew up in church, we used to sing a song, and maybe you know it. He's got the whole world in his hands. 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 He's got you and me, brother. <laughs> we used to sing that song growing up. Some of you are like, I'm glad I didn't grow up in church. I know. Pray for the rest of us, but but it's easy to sing that song when life is going good. And I know it's a Sunday school song, but sometimes we got to go back to some of those Sunday school songs to say, he's got the whole world in his hands, not me. He's greater. He's more powerful. He's wiser. He's infinite. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is almighty God. He created the sun and the stars. He made the earth. He made the fish. He made the birds. He made me. He made my heart. He made my voice. He made, come on, I trust the God that has the whole world in his hands. What I know is that I got nothing in my hands and he's got everything in his. He's in absolute control. And some of you here sitting here today or watching a lot, your world is getting rocked right now and life is turbulent. Maybe you're in here today and you're saying, Alex, this week's been the roughest week of my life. I, I lost somebody. I'm grieving or I lost a job. It's been difficult. Can I tell you, there's a God that you can trust. There's a God that you can call on. There's a God that you can rely on. Oh, he is sovereign. He's in absolute control. Somebody give God a praise. Come on. In fact, I put it this way. Trust the God that you do know with all the things that you don't know. Trust the God I know with everything that I don't know. God, when life is going crazy, when I don't understand why you've allowed certain things in my life, why did my aunt die? And why has life been this way? And why did I lose the job? And why did a friend betray? I'm going to trust the God that I know with all the things that I don't know. Are you following me, church? Matthew chapter 27 is giving us a different account on the crucifixion of Jesus. We know that Jesus was a real man who really was crucified. All four gospels confirm it, plus outside resources confirm that there was a man really named Jesus who was crucified. And so Jesus is, is, is now looked at from Matthew's account, and Matthew is telling us now a different statement that Jesus said from the cross. Looking at all four biblical accounts, we get seven statements, seven sayings that Jesus said from the cross. In fact, the book of Mark chapter 15 tells us that Jesus was crucified at nine o'clock in the morning. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was nailed to a wooden cross and he was crucified. We get to Mark chapter 27 and we see now that it's at noontime and that at noontime, Everything goes dark. And Matthew says that darkness covered the entire land. This is significant. It is, it is actually wild. It's crazy that while Jesus was being crucified, a few hours later at noon, everything goes dark. 
Now, not only Matthew says that, we also have some outside biblical resources that confirm that this happened. Origen, an early Christian historian, he quotes some Roman historians, ancient times, that say that around this day and this time in Israel-Palestine, everything went dark. Another early historian outside of the Bible, his name was Tertullian. If you're pregnant and you're looking for a name, Amanda, there you go, Tertullian. <laughs> Tertullian also confirms some ancient writings that say that it got so dark that people were walking around Jerusalem with lamps and lanterns. The whole world was covered in darkness. Because 790 years before, in the book of Amos, the prophet Amos said that one day, the, dark, the land would be covered in darkness because of what they would do to the Son of God. And I think that when you reject the light of God, you invite the darkness of the world. In fact, not only does this happen in Matthew chapter 27, I really believe it's happening in our world today. We reject what God wants to do in our life. We, we reject his morals. We reject his principles. Don't tell me how to live my life. Don't tell me who I can go out with. Don't tell me what I should do. Don't tell me who I can sleep with, who I can't sleep with. Don't tell me what I could do and can't do with my life. I can do whatever I want. Can't nobody control me. Every single time you reject God's principles, morals, values for your life, the guidelines that he created, you are inviting darkness into your life. And I believe that's what's happening in our world today. Everybody's lost. Everybody's confused. Nobody knows where to go. Our world is walking around with lanterns and lamps not knowing where to go because we have kicked God out of society we've kicked God out of schools we kicked God out of government we kicked God out of our lives we kicked God out of our families out of our homes keep kicking God out you're just going to be walking in darkness and blind God says you don't want no light here's some darkness and for a moment he took away the light of the world and the world experienced complete darkness this is what life looks like without God and in that darkness, Jesus says the fourth statement, which is profound. We heard the first one a few weeks ago where he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The second one is Jesus looks at the criminal on his side and he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Last week, Jesus looks at his mother and his friend John and he says, woman, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. Now, after he's talked to people around him, we see now, now this fourth statement goes from people around him to the God above him. The first three were horizontal. This fourth one turns vertical. I, I'm now addressing God. And Jesus says this fourth statement, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, now, it's complex. This fourth statement is probably the most confusing out of all of them. The early reformer Martin Luther saw this statement, and they say that for days he went into a room thinking and praying about this statement. He couldn't understand how the Son of God would be abandoned by Father God. And after a few days, he walked out and he said, I'm still confused. I don't understand it, but it's profound. It's beautiful. And we should think about it and meditate it. This week, I pray, my prayer is that you just won't listen to this on a Sunday, but that you'll go home and, and really think about what Jesus experienced on the cross. 
I know we're jumping to Sunday. I know we love the llamas and the bumper cars and the empty grave, but, but, but I think we should sit on Friday for a little bit and hear Jesus cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The son of God crying out on the cross as he felt the way we feel when life gets out of control. When life gets turbulent, it feels like you've forsaken me, Father. Now, has the Father really forsaken the Son? Well, biblical scholars, mostly all of them believe what Jesus is doing in this moment is absolutely interesting. And you have to capture this. You have to understand what Jesus is doing. Jesus is quoting Psalm 22. If you go back to Psalm 22, the first words of Psalm 22 are, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Who wrote Psalm 22? It was King David. Almost 800 years before, King David, inspired and used by the Holy Spirit, writes, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, why Jesus is doing this is because in ancient times, if you were Jewish, they didn't have chapters and verses for scripture. So if they wanted to talk about a psalm, they would quote the first line. So if somebody would have said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The whole crowd would have responded with the following line of that psalm saying, we know the psalm that you're talking about. We've memorized it. They knew scripture like the back of their hand. Are you following me? Now we go, Psalm 22. Oh yeah, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Back then, all they had was the lines. So Jesus is saying, Psalm 22 is about me. This is what Jesus is declaring from the cross to his Jewish audience around the cross. He's saying, Psalm 22, written by your King David, was a prophetic messianic psalm about what's happening right in front of you. This is awesome. This is profound. Because if you keep reading Psalm 22, it is wild. In fact, Psalm 22 is the first part of the trilogy called the Shepherd Psalms. It's Psalm 22, 23, and 24. We know Psalm 23. We know it by memory. We hear it every occasion of life. You include Psalm 23 in there. Psalm 22 is the good shepherd that lays his life down. Psalm 23 is the great shepherd that walks with you in all counts of life. Psalm 24 is the chief shepherd that comes back in victory for his people. And so what he's saying is, I'm the good shepherd that lays his life down. He's quoting Psalm 22. Are you following me? King David, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If you keep reading Psalm 22, he's giving a perfect description of Jesus. He says, dogs are circling around me. They are mocking me and making fun of me. He says, I have been broken so much that you can count my bones from the outside. David writes, my hands and my feet have been pierced. He's describing Jesus in detail. He says, they have grabbed my clothes and cast the lots and divided them amongst them. Exactly what's happening on the cross. But Psalm 22 is not a psalm of lament. It's not a psalm of suffering. It's not a psalm of God abandoning his son because it ends in praise. 
And so when Jesus is quoting Psalm 22, he's letting the people around him know I'm Psalm 22. I'm the good shepherd and this is not my end because you know how that psalm finishes. It finishes in praise. See, because Jesus knows that he will die, but three days later, he'll resurrect. He said, he said, you'll destroy this temple, but three days later, oh, I will raise it up once again. He knew that he would go for a moment through death, but I trust the pilot. I trust who's in control. He will not leave me in the grave. I know that when life gets shaken up and when I'm on a turbulent fight, there's a pilot who's in control and he's got my life. And I don't know how I'm going to do a safe landing because I trusted him. He knows the end from the beginning. Can I get an amen? Look at how Psalm 22, midway through the psalm, King David changes his tone. He's saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's dogs around me. I've been pierced in my head. You can see all my bones. They're dividing my garments. And midway through Psalm 22, he begins to praise God. But I know who God is. And I'll pray. Look at Psalm 22, verses 22 and 24. Midway through the psalm, David writes, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I'll praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All of you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Stand in awe of him. All you offspring of Israel, for he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And check this last line out. And he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. Jesus the son is saying my father hasn't abandoned me in fact he's looking to me he didn't look away he's heard me he's got me and I'm gonna praise him Jesus is praising while on the cross this is profound because when we get on a cross of life and when life is crushing us and killing us the last thing on our lips is praise but Jesus is modeling how to live this life of dying to self when life gets turbulent when there's dogs encircling around you, when they're counting your bones and counting you out, praise him. Praise him. All of you, praise him. In the congregation, praise him. Oh, oh, because he's heard my cry. Because he has not turned his face from me. I don't know what's happening in my life, but I know one thing. He's got me. He's with me. He has his eye on me. He'll never let me go. I know the marriage didn't work out. I know I got a bad report from the doctor. I know it looks like life is crazy. I know it doesn't look like everything I planned it out to be. But I know that he's with me. And I know that he won't let me go. And I'll praise him. Even when life is a mess, I'll lift up my voice and shout his name it doesn't go the way I want but God is a good God and he's gonna get me safely to the other side somebody praise God I praise him I praise him I praise him when life makes no sense I praise him when it's out of my control I trust that there's a God who's in control it doesn't always go how I want doesn't always go the way I planned and pictured it and Life doesn't always match my vision board. But in the middle of that, I'll praise him. Jesus is not saying God abandoned him. Jesus is saying, I am Psalm 22. And my father's got me. He's got me. He's got me. Life is crazy. Kids are crazy. Marriages are difficult. Relationships are hard. Our world is dark. We've kept God out of everything. But when life gets tragic, children of God have to know, and you have to realize, 
He'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. But Jesus says, why have he forsaken him? He was just quoting Psalm 22. The father and the son can't be separated. They're three and one, one and three. He was feeling the pain of humanity, experiencing what it feels like to be abandoned because we have a high priest who's experienced everything that we go through. He shared in our sufferings. He understands the pain. What can we learn from Jesus? I don't got a whole lot of time left. What can we learn from Jesus? As he's on the cross, crucified, with the last little bit of air and oxygen and strength he has left. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What I love is that, number one, he knows the person he's talking to. In other words, he knows the character of his father. If you were to come tell me a story about my father today, I would know if it's true or not. Because I know who he is. Hey, can you believe your mom said this? That's a lie. I know who my mom is. You know the character of those you are in relationship with, that you love. And if any time something happens in life that makes no sense, if you know the person and the character of God, you can go back and say, I, I don't know why this happened, but I know he's good. I know he's love. I know he's for me. And I know he's with me. Why did my aunt, my aunt pass away? I don't know, but I know he's good. I know he's God. I know he loves me. I know he loves her and I know she's healed today don't know why he allowed it but I know the person I know the character of God I've read my scripture I've spent time with him I know who got it Jesus knows who his father is that's why he's quoting Psalm 22 because it ends in victory number one know the person number two trust the promises Jesus he knew that he would go through death but on the third day that he would resurrect See, when, when life is killing you, you, you got to hold on to some promises that God has given you. You got to hold on to some of the things that he's spoken over your life. You should write down some promises and put them all over your bedroom and your mirrors and your bathroom and your cubicles. Put them on the windshield. I know you're looking on the road, but you're also looking at a promise staying right back at you. I, I'll share with them just some promises. You can start off with this. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. You got a benefits package with God that's better than any insurance you could imagine. What does it include? He forgives all of your iniquity. He heals all of your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. He satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. There's some promises you can trust. I trust him. Jesus knew who God is. He knew his promises. And number three, he waited on the purpose of God to, to work out in his life. Wait on the purposes of God. I don't know what's happening. I can't figure this thing all out. And if I try to control it, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to wait on God to fix this. He, he's going to do something with this because the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 verse 28 and we know that for those who love God all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose I don't know what's going on I can't make sense of life but I know he's going to work it out for the good of those who are called according to his purpose he's got it he's going to work it out today maybe you can't see it maybe you're in here you're saying but how 
but how? I don't know the how, but I know the person. I trust his promises and I wait on that purpose. When life feels like that turbulent plane ride, when it's out of your control and you can't understand it and we look to Jesus and we see how Jesus prays, my God, my God, and he's quoting Psalm 22. Okay, so now we look at Jesus and we see what he did. How can we live like Jesus? What does this mean? I'll finish with this and the band can come up. We're a little bit over time. We're gonna worship one more time. As the band comes up, what does that mean? Number one, turn in the right direction. Notice that Jesus, he calls out to his father. The first words, let's break it down. My God, my God. He knows who to go to. He knows who he's calling to. In this world of different outlets of news and sources and things that you can entertain your life with, know who your true source is. It is God. Some of us, we've been turning to toxic circles. We've been, we've been turning into some negative things. Maybe we go to a friend who, don't, who doesn't even have a relationship with God. Can I tell you, you can call on him, turn on the right direction, live like Jesus and say, I'm calling on my father. My God, my God, I'm calling on you. Turn in the right direction. Number two, not only do you turn in the right direction, Jesus on the cross is proclaiming the gospel. What does that mean? That you can love in every season of life. Love in every season. Some of us, we go through a hard moment in life where we're like, I can't, I can't right now, I can't. I can't go to grow track. I can't, I can't help my city this Saturday. I'm just going through a tough moment. I get it. But I look at Jesus, and in his toughest moment, he's sharing the gospel as he's dying on a cross. He's giving his life for humanity, yet still serving humanity. Life will always be full of suffering and trouble because it's full of sin. But in that moment, I remember my Savior, who as he was sitting with the guy who was going to betray him, decides to eat, break bread, and wash the feet of his friends around him. Can I tell you, when you're going through life's most difficult moments, you can still love and you can still serve and you can still help because we're sons of God. Number one, turn in the right direction. Number two, you can love through every single season. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse four says this, he comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. When life is crazy, he comforts us, he helps us so that we can comfort others. Today, who are you helping? Who are you comforting? I know life is rough and I know it it may look like you are getting crucified today. On the cross, you can still proclaim the good God, the good gospel. He's a good God. He's an awesome God. Number one, turn in the right direction. Number two, love through every season. And number three, you can worship even when life is uncertain. When Jesus turns his attention to God, when he quotes Psalm 22, it's because he knows the character of God, it's because he knows the promises of God, and it's also because he's waiting for the purposes of God to work out. And he remembers the song that talks about praising God. It starts with feeling abandoned, but it finishes with praising the God that never abandons you. 
when life is crushing you, you need to take moments out in your life to say, I'm going to worship even when I don't understand. I'm going to model the life of Jesus. I'm going to turn in the right direction. I'm going to love on others, but I'm also going to worship through it. I'm not going to worship just when I have the answer. I'm going to worship when I'm waiting for the answer. Because that's true worship. Real worship is praising God even when you don't understand. That's worship. Saying it's out of my control. I don't know. I, I can't get it, but, but you're God. And you've got it. And you're almighty. And you're all powerful. And you have it all under control. And sooner or later you'll tell me if you want to tell me. I'll just trust you. My eyes are on you. I worship you with all that I have. You're God. You're God. You're God. And I'm just a man. Can we stand up to our feet? Why don't we practice this for a moment? We're leaving in just a few minutes, but I just really sense in my heart, let's worship God one more time. There's some people in here today, you gotta worship. Life has been turbulent. The plane ride has been shaking. Some things have happened that you don't understand. But come on, you can worship even while waiting. Come on, why don't we close our eyes and lift up our hands all across this place. If you're watching online and you can, you can lift up your hands too. Come on, we're going to sing it out. There's no distance between us. God, we thank you. We love you. We worship you today, God. We give you all of the praise, all of the glory. Come on, can you lift up your voice? Even when you don't understand, even when you don't get it. Come on, I'm going to worship him because I made a decision that I'm going to worship even when I don't get it. Come on, let's sing it out. When every time there's no fear that we sing this out. There's no walking in darkness right now people that are confused going through it lost in pain people that their whole world has been shaken up I pray that you would strengthen them right now in the name of Jesus I pray that you would open up eyes that the light would come on in their spiritual minds 
that the coverings of their eyes would fall off and they would see you and that they would have a fresh revelation of who you are in Jesus name I pray for every hurting person every person that's lost confused right now in the name of Jesus God that they would know that you've never forsaken them you've never abandoned them but God that you've got them and at the end there's victory you've never left them you've never forsaken them God but victory is assured I want you to hold hands with the person to your right and the person to your left Come on, why don't you hold hands with the person to your right and the person to your left. Come on, why don't you squeeze that person to your right. Squeeze their hand and begin to pray over them right now. Come on, lift up your voice and pray over that person to your right. Come on, pray that the Holy Spirit would fill them and bless them today. Come on, pray for them in Jesus' name. Father, we pray that today you would bless each and every single person. God, we pray for that friend on the right in Jesus' name. God, that they would know you, that you would bless their home and bless their family. God, that they would know you, that they would have a sense that you're with them, that you've never left them, you've never forsaken them. Come on, bless their marriage, bless their home, bless their relationship. Lift them up today in Jesus' name, God. We're praying for good health, and we're praying that their spirit will be strong, that their faith will remain, that their eyes would be open. Father, we pray for today. Come on, pray a blessing over their life. Pray for strength, supernatural strength. In Jesus' name, God, that you would be with them today. Hallelujah, God. We pray that they would remember your promises, that they would turn to you, God, that they would know you, walk with you, and know your voice, know your character. Hallelujah. Come on, pray for somebody in Jesus' name, God. Lift them up and build them up today. God, that the light of God would enter into their world. Hallelujah. Come on, squeeze that person now on the left. Squeeze that hand on the left and begin to pray for that person on your left now in Jesus' name. One of the good things to do when you're going through trouble is to pray for somebody else. Come on, you can love through every season. Father, in Jesus' name. I pray for my friend on the left right now. Come on, pray that God would strengthen them and pray that God would help them and open up their eyes to see them in Jesus' name. Pray healing for that neighbor. Pray strength for that neighbor. Pray for their home. Pray for their faith. If they're in a relationship, God bless their relationships. God, I pray that you would strengthen their bones today and open up their spiritual eyes to see you, God. In Jesus' name, I pray that you would heal hearts. I pray that you would heal souls and bring spirits alive in Jesus' name, God. Hallelujah. Bless them today. Bless their finances. Bless their home, God. That they would walk with you and see you and know you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We thank you, God. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And forget not all of his benefits. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, that you're with us. Hallelujah. We thank you, God. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, God. We're leaving right now. We're leaving in just a moment. I'm sorry we went over by a minute, but with every eye closed, every head bowed, praying for one last group of people, and then we're out of here. But if you're here today, you say, Alex, I feel far from God. Maybe it's your first time, second time here. Maybe you've been coming for a while and you say, Alex, I don't have a relationship with God. I feel distant from God. I know there's sin in my life. I've done wrong, thought wrong, said wrong. Maybe you're still thinking about what you did last night, last week, last month. And you're saying there's no way that God can love somebody like me. I want to tell you today, God, he loves you. He loves you more than you could imagine. And it's not a coincidence that you're here. It's not a coincidence that you're watching. He loves you more than you could imagine. With every eye closed, with every head bowed. The Bible says that all of us are sinners. We've all done wrong, thought wrong. We've all said wrong. And our sin separates us from God. God is love, but he's holy and he can't be with sin. But that's why Jesus came. Jesus came and he grabbed my sin. He grabbed your sin. He grabbed every wrong thing we've done, thought, said, every offense. And the Bible says that Jesus carried the sins of the world on his shoulders. 
and he did go up on a cross and he died for the sins of humanity sin has a heavy price it's called death and our sin should have killed us a long time ago but Jesus says I'll die for them Jesus died for us and as us on the cross he went down to a grave and he was dead for three days but the Bible says that after three days Jesus he resurrected we believe with all of our heart that Jesus he's alive come on as pastors staff dream team leaders are praying eyes closed in a moment of privacy in a moment of prayer if you're here today you're saying I need a new beginning I need a new start in my life you have no peace you don't have a relationship with God you've been looking for it everywhere can I tell you that's not found at the bottom of a bottle a new house a new relationship you can only find peace in Jesus today he wants to give you a brand new beginning a brand new start as we're all praying with eyes closed and head bowed I'm gonna count to three if you're saying Alex today I need forgiveness of sins I need Jesus at the count of three I want you to raise your hand I'm not gonna single you out I'm not gonna give you a mic we're not gonna put a light on you every eye closed every head bowed in a moment of privacy and prayer I just want to see who I'm praying for I'll see you and then you can put your hand right back down if that's you you're saying today I need a new beginning today I need forgiveness today I want to put my trust and my faith in Jesus at the count of three raise your hand one two three raise your hand as high as you can as high as you can I see you 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 God bless 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 you I see you I see you I see you hands everywhere amazing amazing God bless you I see you awesome anybody else you raise your hand if you're watching online let us know in the chats I'm making this decision right now I need Jesus we got pastors and leaders there we'd love to pray for you you can put your hands back down let's say this prayer together I'm gonna say a simple prayer the Bible says if you believe in your heart and if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord you will be saved that's what we're gonna do right now we're gonna pray confess that Jesus is the Son of God in fact why, the whole church why don't we say this together in one big voice repeat this after me out loud say father thank you for today thank you for this opportunity I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you Come on, say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life, be my Lord, and be my Savior. From today on, I'm saved, I'm healed, and I'm forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on. Thank you. Hey, come on, give God a praise. Hands went up it's amazing. God is so good. If you raise your hand, we have a Connect 10 outside. Before you go, grab your coffee, your lemonade. Before you go to your car, pick up a Bible. It's a free Bible. This Bible is to help you. New Christians, new believers, it's for you. Pick it up all the way out. If you're watching online, we'll mail one out to you. Come on, this Wednesday night, we're going to get together. Thank you, Yoli. This Wednesday night, we're going to get together to pray and worship. It's going to be an awesome, awesome Wednesday night. Saturday, we're going to go out to the city and bless our city. Get ready for Easter. Why don't we lift up our hand? We're going to sing this out one more time. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for who you are. Go before us this week. We pray that you would help us be a light in this city. We love you, Jesus. We trust you. You are the author and the finisher, the alpha and the 